What's shaking, everybody? Welcome to the Monday Overreaction Show. I'm Jeff Ketchum. That is Anwar Richardson. Thanks to all of those that will participate in the chat. Congratulations to Rodolfo. He wasted no time today. He is the champion first in the chat box. Champion. Uh, do us a solid. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends and family. And you know what? Tell people that you hate. It's okay. We take everybody in willingly. Uh, this show brought to you by the guys over at RogueShop.com. Use that promo code ORANGEBLOODS. Get your 10% discount for Texas is home for legal CBD, THC, and so, so, so much more. Mr. Richardson, how was your weekend? Man, it was good. I went went out to Austin FC again. Uh, as I point out, I'm 2-0-1 I'm, I'm as far as games are concerned. Austin FC, I need, uh, you know. Uh, I, I feel like I'm the good luck charm at this moment, but uh, got a chance to uh, do that. Uh, you appreciate it. It was a good uh, soccer weekend for me. You know, of course, watch Arsenal lose. So then, of course, Man City uh, clinch. Are you? Can you believe what's coming out my mouth right now? Uh, but watch, watch those it games. It warms my heart, Anwar. It warms my heart. <laughs> Can I ask you a quick soccer question? Uh, yeah, I don't, get I don't know. Some Micah can. Hudson. I want to ask you a question about the Austin FC situation. And I want to give you credit. You you are their good luck charm. There's no way to get around it. You've gone to two ga three games this season. They haven't lost any of them. And in two of them, they have late game winners, which is about as exciting as, as in a singular moment as it can possibly get. Mm -hmm. My question is, do you love soccer enough at this point that you can go almost 90 minutes without a goal and still be entertained. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. I, I, because you know what? Because I'm starting, to, I, I understand, I'm starting to understand it more. So now I understand what to look for. When, you know, when, when, when I was a young warthog, like when I was back in the day, I didn't know what the hell I was looking for. So it was just boring to me. I was like, this game's boring. Like, how do you detect? But now I, I'm starting to get a little bit, I mean, just a, tat smidge of like trying to understand the strategies what everyone's kind of working on and so yeah it makes it makes sense to me so because of that then i can be uh entertained and then of course knowing the stakes and going into a game that also makes a huge difference again it warms my heart it's happened in a very short amount of time and uh, i just couldn't be more excited that in the future i'll have someone else on the, i'll have a person on the orange blood staff that i can talk to about soccer when Dustin McComas left, so mm -hmm. too went my soccer conversations. Yes. In Slack. And now, to be fair, Travis Gailey and I do partake. Does. In but I was watching the Leeds over the weekend, too. And I was like, oh, okay. What you guys say they need to win? I was like, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, again, thanks for joining us today on the show. Uh, Scotty, cut us some slack. We're talking about, like, in the moment, Anwar literally was at a game this weekend. I asked him how his weekend went. He can't tell the story of his weekend without mentioning that he and his sons. Did you take both of them? Yeah, both of them. Both he and his kids went to an Austin FC game this weekend. Yeah. Don't fill out. And it is the offseason. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Micah Hudson today. I was thinking about this, Anwar. I don't know. I don't know if we're talking about Micah Hudson overreactions or not, right? I mean, I suppose in what I wrote from my 10 thoughts from the weekend, but to be fair, it's a discussion that we were having a couple of days 
uh, before that content piece hit orangebloods.com yesterday, kind of about his recruitment, what's going on, the importance of it, some of the factors involved. The bottom line at this point is that Texas Tech is in front of Texas and that there have been some twists and turns and a couple of things that have occurred over the course of the last couple of months that have only added to Tech's position in this recruitment. The Longhorns aren't out of it. The expectations are that Micah Hudson will take an official visit to Texas. Um, so they're not out of the running for Micah Hudson. That's not the – that would be a major overreaction, would be to go so far as to say, it's done, it's over, Texas is out. It's not that. It's something less than that. So I don't know if there's an overreaction to be had, but there probably is a reaction to be had. And I think talking about the status of where things are and what needs to happen moving forward – is a critical thing to take place with regards to a guy that's arguably uh, the best prospect in the state for 2024, an absolute must-have in recruiting. It really comes down to him or Colin Simmons when we talk about who's number one. There are a variety of opinions on that, but Hudson's a really important prospect, and there's work to do for the Texas Longhorns. I mean, isn't the reaction, you know, the the most genuine one we, that we can have is that um, it's safe to say that maybe Texas is trailing in the recruitment of, yeah. of Michael Hudson. That's that that's the fair rea reaction, right? That to, to, to be had. Well, I think so. I mean, I think you would agree. Yes. Yeah. No, I would absolutely agree. It is as relates to that. What you know, you said like me. You know, you said not overreaction. Reaction. Yeah. I was like, well, the fairest one is. He's, the, Texas seems to be trailing uh, in the in the hunt for uh, Micah Hudson, and, and, and it's a there's a it's it, it speaks to a couple of different couple of different things. Uh, one, it speaks to Micah, you know, just being a person that's marching by the beats of his own drum and going with whatever he feels most comfortable with. And right now, he feels very comfortable with Texas Tech and Joe McGuire, the receivers coach, like the the, the whole recruiting process over there. Uh, so you know, it says a lot about what they're you know they're able to do. It's not to, uh, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, catch uh, shitting on Texas or saying that Texas can't, you know, make up ground or anything to that effect. Um, but it does say that, hey, um, you know, there's probably some ground to be made up here. And again, it's it's May. Ground can, can be made up here. Um, but, you know, you never know, catch, when guys are going to, you know, pull the trigger on decisions. You never know how things are going to kind of play out. Um you know, it's it's interesting catch, and I, I'm I'm going to lean on you for a historical question. You know, at, at what point can you remember Texas recruiting against Tech for a guy of of Michael Hudson's status, uh, and Tech winning out in that recruiting battle? It's never really happened. Um, I can remember when I first, very first. Uh, got into covering recruiting. I was at the time, God, I can remember it. Like, honestly, I can remember the details of this. Uh, I was a student at Texas and I remember picking up, like, I think a copy of the daily Texan. And there was an up, a recruiting update in there about a guy named Monte Rager, who at the time was like a top 10 overall prospect in the state. He picked Texas tech over Texas 
God, I can't remember exactly when that was, but I'm going to say 95, maybe ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a student at Texas from 95 to 98. I think it was on the hot, the early end of that. Um, beyond that, never. I mean, forget about competing with Texas. Texas Tech has never signed a super blue chip prospect in the history of the Rivals.com era of high school football recruiting, as far as I know. I'll look it up here in a second. But I think that's a fact mm-hmm. uh, that I feel pretty good about. I'll look it up to double correct, like just to make sure. But I don't think they've ever signed anybody of his ilk ever in the last couple of decades. It's one of the reasons why I was so dismissive of Tech. At the very beginning, on the onset of his recruitment, Tech was being mentioned. And I was like, well, historically, there's no example that would suggest that Tech would win the recruiting battle. And they haven't won it yet. That needs to be stressed. I mean, hell, that kid could go to Ohio State and take a visit there mm-hmm. and come away saying, people keep telling me I'm the next Garrett Wilson. Why not go to the school where Garrett Wilson became a first-round draft pick? Like, it is still early in his recruitment to a certain degree. But to answer your question, this is – Unchartered territory. I mean, you know, so in, in, in which can I, in this, can I ask you one more question before of I course. kind of formulate a, a, a thought? Micah Hudson, you're you putting him in the same conversation as a as Evan Stewart, John T. Cook. Yeah, easily. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure I get the the perspective on you know how you, how you you viewed it. So. Just to follow up on that, um, someone mentioned John Tay Cook. Mm -hmm. He's like that level of player. Like, I I don't know that I think any of those guys are in my head what would be six-star players. They're five stars. Do I think any of those guys are automatically top five players in the country? I don't think I would go that far. But what it does mean is that I, I think he projects as a future first-round draft pick. Like, that's – when you call a kid – really, what we're learning, I think, as years go by, the more years go by, the more top the top 32 guys in the country, that's what recruiting services are saying project as future first-round draft picks. And when Rivals was ranking C.J. Baxter last year – one of the reasons why they didn't give him a five-star ranking was they did not believe he would be an eventual first-round draft pick for a variety of reasons, the least of which wasn't positional value in today's in today's game. Um, but, yeah, so there, I'm sorry. Didn't no, 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 no. I want you to keep talking because I'm, I'm actually doing quick math here. Um, but I, I, I think that they're of that ilk. Honestly, I think we're talking about a guy who's going to be a major, major star at the collegiate level. Um, And so I don't know that I rank. People always want to ask me, like, is he better than John T. Cook? Is he better um, than Evan Stewart? I think they're the same from a ranking standpoint. 
it's like going to a Miss Universe contest and trying to decide if Miss Brazil is hotter than Miss Argentina. Mm. I mean, I'll rank them, but the significance of the ranking at that point when we're talking about, you know, the more, most gorgeous women in the world that would be perfect tens, you know, are we moving the scale up beyond 10? Is it an 11? Is it a 12? I think in this case, we're talking about perfect tens. I don't know that there's an 11. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what I was doing the math on, I was thinking about, you know, Micah. So I was trying to figure out like if he's 18 this year, doing the math on how old he was uh, and he, it, to, when Vince won the national championship or Colt played in a national championship game, you know, from a math perspective, catch, he would have been born in 2005. So, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you, can do, you can do the math. And so it's, you know, I guess for me, catching it, the reason I bring it up is it's, it's, it's easy to, to be dismissive on, you know, you know, history and say, well, tech was text this or text that. But again, when we start thinking about recent history and get past what us old folks know and, and get to what the, these young folks are seeing, a little bit different you know there's it's, it's it's a little bit different where he gets like well what's the difference at you know at this point you know and and, and i think there's got to go ahead no go ahead i'll finish i'll go when you go i'll no 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 i was just gonna say what's the difference you know at, at this point um you know the coaches will tell him and i'm sure tech will tell them like look if you're talented you're talented you know and that and if you technically you tell like we you'll get found anywhere all right we Someone found Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, and he, he look at where he is. And I'm not saying they they found him like it was a diamond under the, you know the rough or anything like that. But Patrick Mahomes didn't need to go to Ohio State to create his own legacy or become drafted or become anything to that effect. They're like, look, if you got talent, people will find you. That's not a problem. Don't worry about that. At the end of the day, and if you're in Tech, that's what you tell them. Like, don't worry about that. NIL, don't worry about that. That that'll be. <laughs> You think you can't get an NIL deal with being the first blue chip guy or one of two, whatever that number is like that, that will, that will take care of itself. Um, and then, you know, the only thing you can say is maybe, you know, well, SEC, but does it mean it does, does playing in the SEC mean as much to, to him as, you know, you don't know, you don't never know with, with kids what their priorities are. So, um, you know, I just think from a Texas perspective, it's, it's going to be for me and I want to get your, get back to where you're at is about like, you know, the, that relationship continuing it um but you know my, my thing is catch when when a, a dark horse program is somehow uh, around and and maybe even in the lead those are the ones i really got to pay attention to because they're they're usually there for a reason all right let's do this let's take a quick super chat because i always want to encourage people to yeah. send in the super chats and then if we don't take the super chats then they don't send super chats uh, Tom yeah. says, call, what up, Tom? Good to see you on a Monday morning. Hope everything is going well. Call me crazy, but after we whip Texas Tech and win the Big 12 championship game, Micah will want to be a part of what we're building. I just don't see Texas Tech being the landing spot for him. Uh, Anwar, you got a reaction to that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, it works both ways, you know, sometimes in recruiting, you know, because, you know, a kid can look at that and say, I want to be a part of it. And the kid could, but the, the, the team that loses will could potentially say, you know what, this is why you need to be a part of this to make sure this doesn't happen again, right? So we, we saw that happen, you know, that, that helped with Sarkeesian, you know, Sarkeesian after a five-win season was able to still get grab grab guys, right? And what did he tell them? We need you to be a part of this thing. So I don't, you know, I hear what Tom's saying in that in that hypothetical situation, uh, but that don't, you know, that I don't know if that really factors in as much, you know, the bandwagon thing. I don't, you know, yeah, I like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, Tom, you're not. I, I'm not. You are potentially right. It could happen that way. Certainly not going to tell you that if Texas wins the Big Twelve championship game, that they couldn't sway a player like that uh, so it definitely is in the realm of possibilities i think there's more going on in the well two things there's more going on in the micah hudson recruitment than winning and losing and on and i can talk about that in a moment uh two um usually when teams i say this every year if, if and when texas wins its next big 12 championship it will impact the following year of recruiting more so than it will the current year in recruiting mostly because by the time we get to october november december by the time texas would win a big 12 championship game most recruits are a couple of weeks away from signing and so and they've used their official visits and typically you don't see massive in-season impacts now look we know sarkeesian is a guy his staff they have flipped guys in the past they flipped colton vasic last year and a lot of people would say if micah hudson commits to tech in the summer texas can just pull a colton vasic i think there's some nuance and specifics to each of those recruitments that make them different but it's not outside the realm of possibilities now before we go into some of these things that i think texas and Texas Tech have going for each other in this battle and why it's not quite as simple as win the Big 12 championship and he'll sign with Texas. I do want to answer the trivia question that I brought up earlier, Anwar. I was correct. Since 2002, Texas Tech has signed two high school prospects that ranked inside the national top 100 rivals.com they average a rivals 100 member every 11 or 12 years or so they've never had a high four-star high school prospect in the rivals rankings sign with texas tech they've never had a five that and they've never had a five-star high school prospect sign with texas tech the highest player from the high school ranks that has ever signed with Texas Tech. I bring this up because he's a really good one. Ranked number 52 in the country in 2011, a mid four star by rivals.com, Jay Samaro, tight end, who ended up being a guy that um, had a really nice college career, was drafted really high in the NFL a guy that quite frankly, Texas could have really used. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
If there was ever, I mean, he's a, he was an absolute blue chip. Uh, weird that he wasn't ranked as a, a 6.0 high four-star, given that he was the number 52 player in the country. I think in most years we would have called him a super blue chip, but that's the trivia question. So the answer is they've just never come remotely close to signing somebody of the level of Micah Hudson. Catch people keep asking about Crabtree. I, I know it might take you a second uh, to do that. Do you know where he was uh, coming out of high school? Of that, that'd be kind of a you know a, another. Yeah, he was like a state top twenty guy. Let me mm-hmm. uh, let me see if I can find it. He was ranked number twenty two in the state. He was a low four-star prospect, ranked number 240 in the country. Wow. Okay. And ironically, I don't think Jay Samaro had an offer from Texas. And I think Texas offered Crabtree, but I think they can't, they may not have. God, if I, there was a guy, no, they didn't offer Michael Crabtree. There is, let me look at the, they took a guy in the 2006 class over Michael Crabtree. That doesn't mean they would have offered Michael Crabtree. There was a player in the 2006 class that they came down. It was a decision, one or the other, in terms of offering, and they offered the other guy. So in both of those cases, Texas never actually offered Jason Morrow or Michael Crabtree. And I don't know that they would have landed Crabtree even with an offer. I have no idea how that may or may not have impacted Jason Morrow's recruitment. Texas needed to desperately get in that recruitment, and they didn't. Mm, okay, gotcha. All right. So while I look this other thing up, let's mm-hmm. talk about Hudson specifically. Because yeah. I have found – so full disclosure – Earlier today, Anwar and I are talking on Slack. And Anwar mentioned that uh, I was getting some run over on the Rivals Texas Tech site. And so I went over to Red Raiders Sports to check it out. Many people don't know this, Anwar. I am the George Washington of the Texas Tech website on Rivals. Before the guys that currently own that site became owners of that site, I was the original owner of the Texas Tech site for Rivals.com. Oh, now talk about a trivia question. I'm the the George Washington of Red Raiders Sports.com. You literally, you, you, what years? What years are we talking? You just blew someone's mind over there. I don't remember. It was maybe like 2003, 2004-ish. Something wow. like that. I'd have to ask wow. the guys at Rivals. It was a long time ago. Eventually, I just gave the sites up. Um, they weren't doing great. It was hard for me to be as good as I needed to be to micromanage both sites. And I was having to do both the Baylor and the Tech sites under aliases. Because <laughs> <laughs> who would want to sign up for a Texas Tech site that I'm – the main guy for it. <laughs> it's just like Jason Sukumel is the George Washington of the TCU site on the Rivals Network. Yeah. By the way, answer to the trivia question, Texas offered James Henry of Shirts Clements High School from the class of 2006 instead of Michael Crabtree. Mm. And if I remember James Henry's career correctly, 
he got into some naughty little off-field stuff in his first year that what turned out to not be an awesome decision. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Wait, that coach is like, can't win them all. <laughs> yeah. A little bit like me owning the Texas Tech site. Sometimes you don't win those things. Yeah. Uh, when we look at Hudson, so I go over to the Tech site. They were kind of all up in their feelings over – a number of things that, that you and I have said, that I have said, for instance, and I think this is a good way of kind of breaking down where the commitment stands. Okay. You and I both agree. So I have said that I think that if Collins, not Collins, yeah, if, if uh, Micah Hudson goes to Texas Tech, I've said that I think he can make about $2 million in NIL money. Tech fans and even reporters for Red Raider Sports are angry at me over that comment. And my comment, full disclosure, is based on kind of the going rate for five-star wide receivers. I basically kind of took the Xavier Worthy money <laughs> and per year and multiplied it by three and was like, he can make like a couple million dollars over a few years. Tech fans took that uh, in a weird way. Like they're upset. I think it's a compliment that mm -hmm. Texas Tech can raise its NIL game to such a level that they can take care of a guy like Micah Hudson. Their response to me has been, Micah Hudson hasn't even brought up NIL to our coaches. As if Micah Hudson's never going to earn an NIL dollar or ever mm -hmm. take advantage of his worth or that tech would would let that go in a way where other schools are in his DMs saying, yo, <laughs> aka the, the brisket master himself, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> if Lincoln <laughs> were here, he's only making 50 grand a year at tech. Lincoln's gonna be in them DMs. We telling him the same thing he told Jordan Addison. Damn. The thing is. We don't think NIL is a factor in this decision because it's kind of a wash. You know, we've gotten the sense that Texas Tech will take care of Micah Hudson and that Texas wouldn't be able to land Micah Hudson because they would throw more money at him in NIL, correct? I mean, that's, that's the thought process. Yeah. That, you know, oh, yeah, well, at the end of the day, Texas can just, you know, throw the money and it, it's all good. I mean, we both think Texas Tech, you brought it up on Friday. They had money for Quinn Ewers, too. Yeah. That Texas Tech is not poor. <laughs> they, no. They've got some oil guys with yeah. some money. And look, if the right their guy stadium comes was, along, Their stadium is nice. I, I know you haven't been there. Their stadium is really freaking nice. So NIL is not really the, the crux of the issue here. I think that when we talk about relationships, that's where there's a really interesting thing to be discussed that I think Texas needs to make some ground on. And look, Brennan Marion was original, the first Texas receivers coach to start the recruitment of Micah Hudson, and he didn't do a great job with Micah Hudson. That's from Micah Hudson. That's not an opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did say that. Um, but 
I think that the Texas Tech staff has done a better job of connecting with Micah Hudson and his family, and that it's it's probably at the center of where things have to improve for Texas if they want to get in on this. They've got to be able to match comfort level, and we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to get into a word game where I say a word that people get upset about. Micah Hudson and his family need to be able to connect with the Texas staff the same way that they have with Texas Tech, that doesn't quite exist right now. And in the coming months, as a starting point, that's where th- that's where Texas has to do better and make up some ground from what we've been able to ascertain from talking to people with knowledge of what's going on in his recruitment. Yeah, Cash, I think, you know, relationships – Right. I think that's, you know, what it boils down to is, is having that the relationships and that, those close connections that, that are essential to stealing the deal. And I think some of the things that, you know, you got to know, especially from a recruiting um, perspective, what appeals to a guy. Right. And then you've got to understand this is this is what works, right? You can't have a guy. I'm just using wild examples, so none of this is applicable. But you can't have a guy who you know is a member of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and take him down to Sixth Street, right? Like you just you got to know who you're working with. You he comes, he's a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You introduce him to the pastor here in Austin, right? And you know this is a great church. Look at these nice communities and things to that effect. But you don't take him like, hey guys, Friday night, take that here's 300, take that guy out partying. <laughs> Get his ass drunk and take him both to the Della Rose. Da da da. Well, you probably gonna run out of three hundred, so gonna need a little bit more than that. Kit. And so I think with Micah, and again, I just use that as a wild example to kind of bring the point back home. Is that I think what Tech has been able to do is is hit the the, the spots catch that are, are most important to them and appeal to them and in, in the family in a way that they've connected. And then you know, and I think it's up to. Um, you know, Texas to gain that, you know, to kind of gain the ground, get the connections. But I, I think this part is, 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 is essential. Um, I don't think it could just be as arrogant as we're Texas and we're just going to get a guy like my, my gathering of it. You just can't, you just can't say, look at the logo. Hello. I, hello. Like that, that, I don't believe that's going to work in this instance. I think it's got to be a little bit more substance, you know, than that. Uh, it's a big test for Chris Jackson. You know, he's he's been an NFL guy for a while, catch. And I'm not putting this all on him, nor am I saying he's, you know, failing in any capacity. Like he's 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 trying to make up ground, uh, you know, in this thing. And so, you know, I've heard nothing, no negative things about him or anything to that effect. But it's, you know, getting used to like, all right, you know, NFL, you just show up for work as opposed to like all these other things. And then I think the key, I think the key would be for me catches. Is be, it, they'd have to get the family back out, you know, on campus and really just, you know, make make them feel at home, you know, and make them feel like this this is the right place for them uh, going forward. Again, it's May. It's not to say it can't happen, uh, but we're, you know, we're doing the show. And, uh, you know, the thing about doing shows, as many shows as we do, like we sometimes have to talk about things in real time. So people may only catch people may only think, you know, think about December and they may go, but this is real time, May 22nd, where we're talking. And so what we're talking is really as what's happening, where it stands up today. It's weird. I had a number of people on the tech side, like, quote, something that I said in December mm-hmm. as if 
thoughts and opinions can't evolve over the course of six months. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think where it would be problematic is if we were saying the same things in December with all of the knowledge of things that we've acquired over the course of the last six months and then ignored that those data points coming in. I think you nailed it. I think it's key. The next time they get an in-person audience with Micah Hudson and his family, and it'll be really interesting to see who shows up on Micah Hudson's official visit. Do both parents come? Does a parent come? Does he bring, you know what I mean? Like it, cause I think they really need to hit that out of the park the next time Micah Hudson's face to face with them on campus. And yeah, because it probably was maybe maybe a single the first time he was on campus, you know, if we're yeah. going to use a baseball analogy. And, and maybe to the home run. And so yeah. you have to get around a few more bases. I think, again, using your larger example, you got to know what the kid and the family are looking for. You brought, you yeah. nailed it. Back in the day, Matt Brown, if they had a Bible boy, you know who they'd hook him up with on his official visits? Who? Bible boys. It'd be a, <laughs> a whole lot of Colt McCoy and Jordan mm -hmm. Shipley, and they would drink milk and take that kid bowling. <laughs> okay, stop it. No, that happened. Milk? That, yes. Milk? Colt McCoy no. loves him some milk. It's, <laughs> okay. like, it's like a famous thing. Okay, I, 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 I'm going to take us off track, but so wait, wait, wait. So he just he just drank milk like this. this so he'd be like, do a hey, Google guys. search on Colt McCoy and milk. Not almond milk. Just like, hey guys, you guys want some milk? I got some Look, milk. man. What I'm telling you is, it was milk instead of vodka, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever they put in Long Island iced teas or whatever. Uh -huh. And they would seriously like Colt and Jordan would take those kids bowling if mm -hmm. they felt like this is. This is what this kid needs and wants to see. And most importantly, what his parents want to hear about the Sunday morning after they go out. Yeah. Yeah. Not every guy goes bowling on their official visits to Texas. All you have to do is go to the Don King, the former uh, owner of the Yellow Rose. <laughs> All you have to do is go to his personal website and see like hundreds of photos to know that Sometimes things go a different way. Um, I think when we look at Texas, here's the perceptions of the things that Texas has going for it in a head-to-head -head battle with Texas Tech. The first one is what got this whole conversation going over a week ago when Texas Tech fans moved in to my mentions with a lot of, a lot of hostility. It was Micah Hudson saying to Cole Patterson in an interview um, that the quarterbacks that each school has will play a major role in the decision that he makes. When he made that comment, I responded that if it really comes down to a battle of who has the better quarterbacks in the future, that would be advantage Texas because with no disrespect to Texas tech fans, 
across the nation right now, the general consensus is that Texas has one of, if not the best pound for pound, one, two, three, four, all the way down the list group of quarterbacks in the entire country. That's not a slam at Texas Tech. It's an acknowledgement that two of the last three overall number one players in the in the country in recruiting are quarterbacks that are currently on the Texas roster. Let alone a guy like Malik Murphy, who had he signed with Texas Tech, would have been the second highest rated recruit in the history of the Texas Tech football program. And that guy is second, you know, maybe third. And when people, when, when Texas fans think about the long-term future, you know, every guy's got like a different thing going on, but Texas is deep at the quarterback position. Simple as that. That's one factor. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I, I think Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive guy with a history of developing players, specifically wide receivers, into first round draft picks. He's done that quite a bit in his career and he has recent examples to hang his hat on. Uh, I think number three is the SEC. Texas has not had that in almost any recruitment like this ever, but now they're going to be in the SEC. If Micah Hudson signed with Texas, every game of his career would be played in the SEC as an SEC member of, Texas Tech will be in what's left of the Big 12. The NFL tells us it's not as good of a brand of football. Whether Texas and Oklahoma are in it or not, the Big 12 is behind the SEC when it comes to talent, when it comes to where the NFL wants to acquire players from. Uh, And then one thing that I think needs to be said, even though if I, I don't know that it makes a big difference, from an academic standpoint, Texas is a superior school to Texas Tech. So those are the things that I think Texas has going for it. But this might be a recruitment that comes down to what the heart wants more than what the head tells it. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I have made a lot of, of my most important decisions in my life. I went with my heart instead of my head. Oftentimes going the other way causes regret what Texas tech has going for it. They have the relationship advantage. They have the fact that this kid's probably grown up rooting for Texas tech his entire life. When you consider that his dad was a former player there in the early nineties. I don't have this fully confirmed, but it's been said a lot. Jason and I were talking about this we reached out to a tech reporter yesterday. Whoa, what just happened? Um, did you guys lose me for a second? My screen went blank. No, you've been good. Okay, good. good. Uh, it's very possible that Micah Hudson's girlfriend may end up going to Texas Tech. Now, is that a big deal? I don't know. Is it a deal? Yeah. And if it happens and then you add it to these other things, you can – oh, and the other thing is – The wide receiver position, unlike probably offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, you know, big guys, they don't have to necessarily be in the SEC to be a wide receiver and emerge as a first-round draft pick in the NFL. I mean, it is one of the positions 
historically that the Big 12 has done a good job of. We've seen Oklahoma produce uh, NFL wide receivers. We're going to see Texas next year at least one, and Xavier Worthy if he stays healthy. Texas Tech has produced uh, Jay Samaro, and they've produced Michael Crabtree. They've done a good job at the wide receiver position. So skill guys, it's less important to come, I think, from an SEC background when we talk about the NFL. Quarterbacks kind of the same way. I mean, you know, not every quarterback has to go to the SEC to be highly drafted, but in the end, if Texas is going to land Micah Hudson, Micah Hudson, from what we're hearing, sounds like a relationship guy. And so if Texas is going to beat Texas Tech, it has these other things that are advantages for them, but they've got to knock down the door from the relationship standpoint. Simple as that. Yeah, catch it. It, it. Like I said, it can't just be the assumption, like because, like you said, you you could outline all the reasons why, but like that's what we go back to. You got to know what the guy wants, you know, and then you could just you could outline SEC, good quarterback, hundred thousand people, you know, all these other kind of things. But sometimes you got to know, like the, he they, they may he may need or desire something else that's deeper than that. And look, look, at the end of the day, like, I think it's a little bit disingenuous catch to have a conversation and not say, you know, and not acknowledge what we talked about, I think, last week, which is there's a contention of people that think Texas Tech will have a good season this year. Yeah. There's a contention of people who do believe that Joey McGuire uh, is going to be able to turn around this program. You know, we talked about Brett McMurphy thinking this is a Big 12 championship team. You know, we've talked about the the, the, the the amount of seniors that he's going to have on both sides of the ball. So, you know, back to what, you know, when Tom G talks about, you know, curb stomp in tech, like, well, there's people who think tech gonna be, is going to be standing, you know, at the end of the year and people in tech might be standing in, in Arlington when it's all said and done. So, um, you know, I don't think you could just go go into it and, and just beat beat the chest like, oh, of course it's going to happen. Like, well, everyone's built differently, and I think the relationships matter. And I think you know one of the things that you know I, I've heard recently is that um, the family doesn't doesn't want some assumption that they're just going to go to Texas because it's Texas. Like, you know, they they want you know, like everybody they want to feel the love just like anybody else is being recruited. And love isn't just I'm here, you, you know. You know, we're here like, no, the, you know, it's more than that. Um, and again, it's not to say that Texas isn't trying to recruit him or he's got, you know, Texas you know, is not taking shots at anyone. Anyway, I don't, don't want to get messages from folks, you know, this afternoon, which inevitably we always do, uh, you know, complaint, you know, from UT, like, man, you know, you don't know what we're doing, so on and so forth. But we know where, where, where it stands. And while there, I think that, you know, it's easy to make the case of why it makes sense. Uh, for Texas, you know, for him to go to Texas, I, I feel like on the flip side, catch you can make a case of why it makes could make sense for him and for whatever he wants to go to Tech as well. Yeah, look, Texas Tech historically is not a big time football program, but I do think they have a big time head coach right now. I mean, we said this on Friday. Joe McGuire has had more success in year one so far arguably, than Steve Sarkeesian has had in two years at Texas. I say that based on the fact that he beat Sark head-to-head a, a year ago. He, they won a bowl game a year ago, and they finished their season on a four-game winning streak. 
you wrap all that up in a package, you can make that case. Uh, Joey McGuire is a winner. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. Shoot. You and I were talking on Friday. I think Joey McGuire could be the guy that ultimately replaces Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Like, I think he is a winner. Oh, by the way, the people on the, the tech site didn't like when you said that, by the way. Well, I think I asked you the question. So I think, you know, it wasn't a thought. I just, you know, I just, I, I asked you, could that be, uh, you know, should A&M keep an eye on him, you know, Joey McGuire? Uh, and then they definitely didn't appreciate that. Well, they need to be realistic. Joey McGuire is not, if he's successful, better programs will come for him. Texas Tech knows this. Um, and quite frankly, if AM were to make Joey McGuire their next head coach, it would almost certainly mean that Joey McGuire created more success in the next few years than Texas Tech has had in the last decade plus. Mm-hmm. You make that trade. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> if, if you told Texas fans today that Alabama was going to make Steve Sarkeesian the next head coach at Alabama because he competed for a national championship while he was at Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas fans are thirsty, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they were talking, they'd chop off some body parts, some fingers, if it meant competing and playing for a national championship and winning championships. And sometimes you'd make some deals that you don't necessarily love, but you'd make them nonetheless for reasons that are unique to those situations. Uh, real quick, let's hop in, take another super chat, just so Trey doesn't think we've forgotten about him. Why can't Texas get elite defensive linemen, five stars, to visit Texas the way that Texas A&M can? That's pretty much uh, – they're pretty much neighbors as far as distance. I know Simmons, but that's it. In the words of Chris Rock, this ain't hockey. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that that doesn't sound insulting. I mean, if I say Bo Davis isn't doing a good enough job or Bo Davis hasn't been able to make that happen, feels like I'm lumping it all on him, and I don't think it's as simple as that. I think SEC is a more established team. With look, you know, SEC certainly had the advantage when they were in the SEC and Texas wasn't. Uh, it's a year where the five-star defensive linemen don't really exist in Texas. So give AM props. They've been able to go out of state and get guys more interested in giving them visits over the last five years than Texas has. And why can't Texas get it? Look, some people would tell you because Texas hasn't been illegally paying players prior to the existence of the NIL. That's excuse making from my perspective. Like I, I don't buy that line of thinking. Um, I don't know that A&M's crystal clean in its actions over the years, but like this is major college football. And and now in the world of the NIL, it's part of the world. It's, it's why I didn't understand tech fans getting upset talking about what Micah Hudson might be able to make in NIL as an athlete because that's the world that we live in now. I mean, guys are going to the portal because they want their paydays. If your school's not giving them a payday in NIL, they're putting their toes in the water to find out what they can make. And so, you know, I 
people want to talk about some of this stuff like NIL in the shadows. That's not mm-hmm. what Onward and I do. No. We <laughs> talk about it in the open. And, and people clutch their pearls when we talk about it, you know, and then they're like, oh, you know, let's like like it's an, like you said, the text of like it's an insult to mention NIL. Like it's it's reality. Like just we can't act like NIL doesn't play a factor or play a deal in, in what's going on in, in college football. It is what it is. It's legal. It's like talking about gambling or rogue shop or whatever. Like it is what it is. Like you're not going to talk about rogue shop. I mean, because the times have changed. Well, times have changed. This is what we're talking about. It's funny because one of the tech writers over at RedRaiderSports.com was like, how dare you mention $2 million? You just made that number up. And I was like, well, yeah, I did. But I made that number up based on kind of the going rate for wide receivers and five stars. And, you know, forgive me for thinking that Texas Tech would bring a gun to a gunfight. I mean... It's like, how dare you say that someone is going to make $2 million? And it's like, are you not paying attention to the types of cars that these dudes are rolling around in in 2023? I think there's the, you, you want to, I think you want to have the belief of that, man, they're coming just because they love my school. Like that, they don't, they're not coming for any other reason than they just have told themselves they want to be a Longhorn, they want to be a Red Raider, they want to be a Sooner. Like, that's it. Like, none it's of this very romantic. It's romantic, yeah. but way antiquated in 2023. <laughs> it's because here's the deal. Uh, and I have a question for you, but here's the deal. Like, we know when we talk to not only, you know, some of the recruits, but when we talk to the handlers the agents, you know, that we have conversations with, that's what they're asking about. Like, <laughs> all this other shit is cool. All this other shit is cool. That, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Macomb School, that's awesome. You know, oh, wait, you're going to get to play SEC. Okay, that's, oh, man, that's great. Yeah, so what does the check look like? You know, and so tech, like, don't you don't shy away from it. You bow up. You tell it to yourself, man, yeah, we got that. And we're going to, we're going to, and, if you got a money whip them to get it, so what? Who cares? You you won. That's all that matters. Catch. <laughs> I want you to give me your top three right now, though, right? Okay. Which fan base hates you the most? OU, AM, Tech. In order, it's AM, OU, and Tech. Okay. So tech, Texas at number three. So they're they're good, but they're not. I don't on have the- a long history with tech fans. Yeah. I mean, you've been here with it for a decade. When have we ever talked about Texas Tech in, in this vein? When have, when have you ever said, catch, go over to the Texas Tech site and see what they're saying about you? I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened. No, nah, but, but honestly, it's probably since Joey's gotten there, Chris McGuire. You know, probably uh, – Is by the way, is he going to become our, our new uh, yep. Lincoln Riley? Is he yep. our new Lincoln Riley? Yep. The the guy in the conference that we man crush on and then yep. Texas fan gets pissed off at us because we always talk about him. And it always made OU fans very unsure how to feel about that, right? It's like, what's the angle? What's the <laughs> hook? You and I are comp like they want us, they want to believe that all we do is say negative things. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you and I have very high opinions. Of, of Joey Maguire. 
And I have felt that way. I have stood on the table for Joey McGuire for more than a decade. Anwar can attest. I have been pro Joey McGuire. Should have been on the Texas staff when Charlie Strong was making hires. Mm-hmm. I was pro Joey McGuire. Should have been on the staff when Tom Herman was making hires. Yes. Um, I, when he was at Baylor, I defend like stood on a table and pointed at this guy's doing really good work. And as soon as he got to Texas Tech, one of the first things I said. I think he will be a major success at Texas Tech. Then the question becomes, what does major success equate to at a program that hasn't won nine games since 2009? And I think at a minimum, we're talking about a guy that's going to be winning eight or nine games a season at a minimum while he's at Texas Tech. If you were to make the following statement, Joey McGuire wins a Big 12 championship in the next three to five seasons. I have no problem co-signing on that and saying it's very possible that 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 could happen. And catch, don't don't forget. And you know the one, you know the elephant in the room um, as relates to the conversation is you know again college football is going to expand their playoffs at some you know next year so you now you when you talk about certain a certain situation like that let's say you know next year or whatever he leads them to you know a big 12 championship game he also leads them to a playoff like they, Very you know so you know that they, if you get to 10 then you're probably in in, in the playoffs competing so it, it so yeah, like the, the 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 pathway to success and like what do you define as success? And it'll change, you know, that that will change as well for Texas from a different standpoint, right? Because now when the playoffs expand, we're gonna look at Sarkeesian every year and say to ourselves, now now it won't be you know, you know, conference championship or bust, because you you could be in the SEC catch, you might lose three games, but you can still make the playoffs. Yep. So now it really becomes college playoffs or bust, like that becomes the definition of success. I think for Texas going forward is did they make the playoffs because there are too many teams that have been able to make only four. Okay. All right. That's tough. You know, okay. You got your, you got your Georgia's of the world, your Bama and you know, you got your whatever. It, make, it makes a huge difference as far as how we're going to define the sex for, for both programs going forward. Can I give you a compliment? Sure. I think over the course of our last two shows, you have made more really quality points uh-huh. than I, and I don't mean this like in a backhanded way, like last <laughs> Monday you sucked. Uh-huh. I'm going to walk away from this video a little bit like I was on Friday, which was it might be May and we might be in the middle of some really slow off season. I think Omar is cooking though. I think you, you've been as good in these last two videos with, just quality point making then not again not that you weren't before but it's really stood out to me both today and friday i've been getting some real good sleep lately good for you yeah I had terrible I'm... sleep last night oh it makes a huge difference that it's it's horrible <laughs> we've got three dogs so oh. i went to bed last night at like two o'clock and uh-huh. me going into the bedroom stirred up the dogs yeah when Heather wakes up later, <laughs> she's going to probably want to beat me because it was all my fault. I walked into that bedroom and suddenly it was puppy go time 
when they had otherwise been fully rested and asleep. Uh, and um, yeah, so I might yeah, also bad. take a nap later. You should. You should. You did. I, you made. You missed drunk on a couple of weeks ago when I, I I talked about the the cops showing up at my house at midnight and banging the door. Sorry <laughs> oh, to go to sleep at that point. There was no sleep. I didn't. I didn't open. I didn't open it for them. I knew what. It, it, you know. It, it, I knew what they, they. Eventually, I found out what they were there for. Uh, and it was for the guy who like rents out the uh, the the outer space. So. First of all, Rodolfo, stop it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not catch put a kibosh on this last week. I'm not having. I'm not object, going into this conversation. Oh, Florida, Florida Raider. He's a tech fan. The thing is, like, what have we said today that isn't objective? I feel like we've laid it all out, and it's without. Really, any bias? I I know tech fans don't want to believe this. Anwar and I are not emotionally invested in this. I mean, we might not get good sleep if Micah Hudson doesn't sign with Texas, but it won't be because our feelings are hurt. It won't be because it might be because I have dogs, and it might be because like the message board melts down. But it won't be because like we're all up in our feelings. No, I think for me, uh, for me, I'm always willing to give props where props are due, and I feel like you know we talked about Joe McGuire, we talked about Lincoln Riley, uh, we talked about um, the job that David Randa was doing, and and prior to that, uh, you know, we talked about Matt Campbell. And you remember we pissed off uh, Iowa State fans because we said Matt Campbell should get out. Like did we say we said Matt, this is but this is the best it's ever going to get. He should go to the NFL because it's the, the 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 decline is going to happen. Iowa State fans got mad at us and for saying those kind of things, but we we're objective. Like he's too good. This, this thing's not going to last. And what happened last year? They win what four games? I think you asked me about my one, two, three earlier. Yeah, it might need to be A and M, OU, and Kansas State. Because oh, oh yeah. as mad as the Kansas State fans are right now, the Kansas State fans are like furious at me for suggesting that Deuce Vaughn needed to leave Kansas State and go to a, a bigger school with a better profile so that his career wouldn't be wasted. And what's weird about that, two things. One, the implication was never that Deuce Vaughn should go to Texas. <laughs> that never was said. That was never said. Yeah. It was never even implied. Why would Deuce Vaughn go to Texas when B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson were there? So Kansas State fans were just, they couldn't help but be blinded by fury to realize I was talking a lot more about Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, somebody like that, Michigan. Um, the other thing is Kansas State fans ended up being right. I mean, ultimately, Kansas State won the Big 12 last year, and Deuce Vaughn wiped it up with NIL money from what we can tell. Like, he had that porta potty commercial, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which if you guys haven't seen that on YouTube, <laughs> I suggest you, it's good for a laugh, go check out the Deuce Vaughn sponsorship on porta potties. 
but it seems like he did pretty good on NIL. So what I said, suggested a year ago ended up being wrong, and I can admit that I'm wrong. I'm like baby's dad. I say I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but the intent behind the comments was never baked in like UT jealousy because I wanted Deuce Vaughn to go to Texas. I kind of wanted to see Deuce Vaughn at Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> now that might get Texas fans mad at me, but that's what I really wanted to see was a guy playing in the middle of nowhere, seemingly not getting these huge opportunities. I kind of wanted to see that guy get a huge opportunity. I bring all of that up because this Micah Hudson thing kind of falls into that vein. Mm -hmm. Vaughn will leave Kansas State probably feeling like his college career was fantastic. He was a champion when he left. And, like, they took care of him, NIL-wise. So I was wrong. And he, and Kansas State fans ended up being right, other than the part about, like, me weirdly wanting that kid to go to Texas. I, I, it, makes, it makes all the sense in the world, Catch. I mean, I think that, um, you know, happiness is it, it plays a part right i think in, in in all our decisions in life right i mean you, you you would think from the you know a lot of people catch throughout the years one of the biggest questions that i have received from from orange buds fans have been why did you leave the nfl why have you not gone back right and most people have asked like well you you know you were there like you you this will you're at the pinnacle, right? Of of you know of reporting. You're a Hall of Fame voter, and you've got all these things. You've got your NBC segments, and you know all I'm on all these shows and all these kind of things. And then people will say, "Okay, well you went down to Orange Bloods and you're covering college football. Like on the outside, that doesn't really make sense." But there's something to be said about your happiness because the, what what I'm looking for in life wasn't that. I had it. But it wasn't what I was looking for. Like the, it was more of like, oh, now you told me I, I'm a part of a community. You know, I'm I'm valued, right? You know, I, I've got personal relationships. It's not just me with some 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 figure in a Yahoo. I don't know who the hell this person is that I talk to once every three or four months. You know, it's like I talk to you every single day, and those things like matter to me. Like the, the living in Austin, all those things kind of matter. I was like, that's what that was was important. So, I, you know, it, it's not as always that, you know, some people think that bigger is better. Sometimes it's, it's not that, you know, the, the happiness factor um, and your comfort factor. Those are the things that really are the things that I think end up driving you when it's as for a lot of people at the end of the day. I want to end today's show. If you guys have super chat questions, get them in now. We're going to be wrapping up. This question does not we just be transparent. This isn't the Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith discussion that we've been having earlier. Argument we've been having since yes. yesterday. Yes. Okay. Although when I asked the question, it could be mistaken for that. This really is about somebody who brought up Bijan Robinson in the context of the Barry Emmett discussion. So I wanted to ask this question from your perspective. In order at the college game, college football, in order for a guy to be labeled a winner, you know how we throw that label around? Mm -hmm. What does a guy have to do team success-wise to be justifiably called a winner? 
Because the guy asked me, did I think Bijan Robinson was a winner? And I said, well, he's a winner in life. He's an awesome human being. And like things have worked out for him at a remarkable rate, but he didn't win a conference championship. He really didn't play any big games. He never played for a conference championship. He never won a major bowl game. It's hard for me to say that B. John Robinson is a winner in the world of college football. The way we typically throw that word around for guys like that win championships and are traditionally labeled winners in the sport. Yeah, I I I think for me, conference championship is what labels you as a winner. Like I I I can't by is the winner, right? Because it's national championship, right? And that that winner. You know, Colt McCoy to me, winner, right? You know, you put him in that in that vein. You know, but Bijan, you know, no, the same way I would say about Sam, Sam Ellinger. Good player, you know, meant a lot to the to the university. He was a warrior. I, I will tell you that he was an absolute warrior. He gave his heart. I mean, he sacrificed his body at the end of the day. We're good. We look at it and say, well, what was that record against OU? Right. I mean, yeah. that's that that's how we kind of, you know, think about how many conference championships did you win? You know, none, you know, one championship game doesn't mean that he wasn't a good player, but, you know, to be qualified as, a, as that, you know, th that thing, you know, is, is there, I use VY and Cole. I don't want people make, make people throw up and say, you know, Baker. Uh, so maybe a guy like, you know, we, we're indifferent towards. So, you know, there's other guys like a Kyler Murray or, you know, or Jay those guys won championships. Yeah. And those, those, that's, that's, that's winners, you know, like you sell, that's what you catch. When you bring someone back, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, you bring back the such and such team, right? That accomplished this in that particular year. Why? Because they were winners. <laughs> no one brings back the, the conference runner-up team. It's like, you know, hey, man, you know, we're not going to in, in 10 years from now, no, Texas isn't going to invite Tom Herman and everybody who was a runner-up to OU back for some ceremony. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's not going to happen. That's just, it's just life. You know, I, so. I point out that Charles Barkley is my favorite basketball player of all time. He's a hall of famer. He's a borderline top 25 player of all time. He's not remembered as a winner. No, he played in one finals. Um, he could never get over on Mike ever. I mean, it just, it never happened. Uh, and consequently, he doesn't get remembered that way. Carl Malone doesn't get to be remembered that way. Nope. I'm not saying it's fair. I mean, I'm not saying it's fair with regards to Sam or Bijan, but those, that's how we, I did. I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy. No, I mean, I you and I are on the same page. Even to our debate, but you, people will say Robert Ory was the winner, right? He was. <laughs> so that, people, he's got seven rings he's a winner you know what i'm saying like he's a winner like no what people will say robert ori is a winner and they won't say charles barkley's a winner that's just yeah that's just how it goes and it's 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 when we talk about robert ori we talk about all-time great role players mm -hmm. all those rings like add up and if you if you don't have that um it's it's not fair. No. Uh it ain't fair business though. It's show business and winning matters. Uh and I just I was curious because 
it's an interesting philosophical uh, debate. And yeah, I would I, I consider Bijan Robinson a very good uh, college football player. Very good. Very I good. Mean, great. You great. I'll but even go with great. Always equate to being a winner. No. I mean, quite frankly, you've never covered a player at Texas to date that exits the University of Texas as a winner. And it's one of the things that Steve Sarkeesian has to change. Yeah. I mean, it's only been one time, you know, one time it's come even close to potentially that happening. Maybe the Sugar Bowl game yeah. means enough. I typically think about championships more than bowl games because then it gets into small bowl games and big bowl games. And are you a winner because you won the Alamo Bowl a few years ago? Like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say so. Uh, but I'll at least listen to the argument that if you played in a major bowl game and won – that you leave as a winner, but it's, eh, it's borderline yeah, for me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, now we're, you're starting to get into the weeds that, you know, when you start going if to you like, have to go into the weeds to justify. Yeah. Yeah. Then you yeah. probably no. weirdly made the, the, uh, the other case uh, unintentionally. All right. Anything can else? We, can we just, all right. Get, well, let's not do it. I'm just going to say, Ketch and I have been arguing back and forth for at least 12 hours. <laughs> well, you slept. It, I did sleep good. I did sleep good, though. I did sleep good. Uh, all I'm going to say is we will, we will not go there. All I'm going to say is Ketch is an Emmett guy as far as being you, in the in the Emmett versus Barry Sanders debate. Catch us taking the Emmett side, and I have taken the Barry side. We're not going to re rehash anything. I'm just going to let you know that's what we've been debating, and we will continue to debate it probably until I go to pick up my kids from school today. And then, you know, by, by about 1.30 or so, I'm going to probably exit the conversation, go uh, get grab a sub, and then go up and get my kids. I will just say on that – I wasn't going to say it. On that vein, I think the, the discussion that we've been having – gets answered, it's, it's why I've been trying to trap Anwar with the following question. Why is Jerry Rice traditionally considered the best wide receiver in the history of the game? It's because he has the best stats, he won the most rings, and he played at the absolute zenith of his powers when it mattered the most. That's the Jerry Rice case. When we talk about him and Randy Moss and – Calvin Johnson and Larry, and quite frankly, Larry Fitzgerald kind of gets elevated in the all-time wide receiver discussion because of the exact thing that we're talking about. Doesn't win the ring, but my God, was he amazing at, in, in the biggest moments. Terrell Owens, kind of the same way, playing hurt in the Super Bowl and being dominant while playing hurt. I think the case that one would make for Jerry Rice is the same case that a person would make for Emmett Smith. Neither of them are the most athletic or physically dominant players that have ever played at their position, but they have those three things. It's a hell of a case. And real quick, Paxton says, I'll take 
Earl Campbell or Jim Brown. And I'll say this, because I made on my 10 thoughts on the weekend, I ranked running backs all time, my top 10 running backs. Earl Campbell, from 1978 through 1980, won three straight MVPs at the running back position. And at his peak, may have been more dominant than any running back that ever lived if all we did was look at the three best seasons, the peak, the absolute prime, I think you could make the case for either Earl Campbell or Jim Brown. Like, I absolutely will listen to that. Um, ironically, in the biggest game of Earl Campbell's life, AFC Championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, January of 1980, 15 yards rushing on 17 attempts. If he blows up in that game and then they follow it up by winning the Super Bowl against the Rams, Earl Campbell probably is discussed in the vein of the greatest that ever played the position for the number one spot and probably that failure in the postseason in the biggest moment. Probably the thing that keeps him held back in that discussion um, in ways that some other players don't quite get held. So, so in, in, in the Jerry Rice, he won, he compiled a lot of stats and did all those kind of things. And because he also won the Super Bowls, you would say he's a better receiver than Randy Moss who yes. did it. He's the greatest Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. The most so stats, the most championships, the most great performances in the biggest moments of his career. So you, if you're picking a team, you you would take Randy over Jerry. No, I'm taking Jerry Rice. No, that's what I said. Right? You, oh, you, you take Jerry. I'm, I apologize. You would take Jerry Rice over Randy if you were picking a team. Yeah. Okay. So if and you if you were drafted a team, you would take Emmett over Barry for the same reasons. Most stats, biggest stats, not yards per carry, but in totality in volume. In Emmett four rushing titles, kind of a thing. I mean, quite frankly, Barry and Emmett, from a stat standpoint, are a wash. I mean, in their peak years, from let's say ninety-one to ninety-five, when both guys were twenty-three to twenty-seven, they're it's kind of a wash. Emmett won some rushing titles. Barry won a couple of rushing titles. I think if. <laughs> First team all pro. They were both all pro at like the exact same time. Uh, I think the things that, from my perspective, that distinguish the two, uh, Barry Sanders, the more exciting player, uh, Emmett Smith, um, no player at the running back position has ever been better in playoff games or games with significant magnitude than Emmett Smith. And you can say that's a team thing. But, you know, Emmett Smith is out there with a busted shoulder against the Giants in 93 with home field advantage on the line. And that man was, like, good for 220-plus all-purpose yards. I think he caught 10 passes in that game. Um, on the road, in the cold, in January, it's that type of performance for me. And I'm, I'm admittedly a massive Cowboys homer, although I would say – when I was a kid, 
a teenager when Cowboys held their training camp at St. Edwards. I've got this pennant. It's literally like got to be 10 feet from me somewhere because I was moving some stuff around and I still have it. As a matter of fact, I might go, I might get it and show it to you. Um, I got everybody on the Dallas team to sign my pennant except for Emmett Smith. He was kind of a shit bag towards me. Like he was five multiple times, five feet from me and wouldn't sign like a 13 year old's pennant. Uh, I have, and I, I have, still stand on the table for him. I, I, I have an Emmett story that I'll tell you off camera. That's even worse than that. And it was kind of a dirt. Yeah, he, he was. He, yeah, I, 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 it, 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 it involved. <laughs> he went out of his way not to sign my penance. I, 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 I have a story about a kid. I'll tell you that's oh. even younger than that. That, that he probably, I don't even know the kid's still alive. To be honest with you, that alleged, Emmett allegedly wouldn't do. I, he's infamous. He's infamous. For, he was always infamous for being kind I'm of a so dick. frustrating. I love the man. And he wouldn't sign. Not like I was trying to get, like as a team pennant. What's funny is I had so many Troy Aikman autographs. I'll never forget. I'm, I think I was trying to get Emmett. And I've got my pennant like in my hand. And I'm looking at, I'm standing alongside the fence. I, this is a fun. Troy Aikman takes my pennant out of my hand. And I didn't know who it was. And I was like, give it back. <laughs> like, oh, hey, Troy. Thank you. Uh, real quick, Tom G. Because it's Tom G and nobody else. By the way, is there anybody else in the Super Chat? Or is this just, it is Tom. Okay. Uh, Barry wasn't trusted at the goal line. That is semi-true. Uh, C. Vardell, man, was electric, but was more stops behind the line of scrimmage than anybody in the top 10. I mean, there are pros and cons. But look, Barry Sanders, I understand the Barry Sanders argument. He's the most exciting running back and maybe the most exciting player I've ever seen. I mean, there's no debating that. He is an all-time great. We're, what we're talking about here, it's like when people talk about the best 10 NBA players of all time, and they go, I'm going to rank LeBron over Kobe. It's like, that's not really an insult. Like we're talking about incredibly rarefied air. Um, I just think that there are some things on Emmett's resume that stand the test of time. And for supporters of Barry, they would say that the things that are on Emmett's resume weren't available to him. And it's a chicken and the egg type of conversation. We will never convince the other that the other is right. Um, so since I had to listen, let me just say this to Tom G. Let's not act like Barry was it was the Devin Hester of running backs that just had a couple of big runs and they just didn't do anything else, you know, entire game. Like, no, no, no. It was fairly consistent throughout his career. You don't you don't rush for 2000 yards in a season just because you're like, hey, you're kind of OK. Right. I mean, you're. You're pretty damn good and you're pretty damn consistent, you know, all the time. You get stopped behind the line of scrimmage because, by the way, his offensive line really wasn't that good. So his style of running, he wasn't a north-south kind of guy. He was a stop and start. And it's the thing that made his great runs amazing. Here's the here's what I would say. Let me ask you this. 
It's fourth and two, and a championship is on the line. And you need two yards. And the defense is stacked. Who are you giving the ball to on fourth and two of the championship on the line? I mean, it's 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 if you're telling me who's my offensive line, my offensive line is the Cowboys, then sure. I mean, but I mean it it's it that offensive line, like you you can't negate that Barry had it had didn't have a line that compared. Oh, he had two pro bowlers. How many more does he need? That that line of Dallas, come on now. That's that's next level as compared to what what he had in Detroit. Now, this may come down to the Detroit coaches. And if you want to tell me that their coaching was atrocious, touche. I'm give not, me one good one. <laughs> give me, give me a good Detroit. Wasn't Wayne Fonts okay? He got him to an NFC Championship game. Oh, he was okay. But we we ain't talking about Wayne as one of the all time greats now. Like we we're pulling things out of our ass. Like someone brought up Lomas. <laughs> like he's in a Hall of Fame. He's like, no, he's not. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like we, there's not Scott Mitchell is your quarterback. You I mean, a pro ball, though, I mean, he wasn't awful. I'm just saying, like, come it's on, not like, like he was playing with scrubs all the time. He I had a lot this. of scrubs. Tom's not incorrect when he says that Detroit oftentimes in short yardage put in other running backs. I mean, there may, there may, while there may be the case, you know, there was, there's, there was a fullback thing or whatever. You got to protect the guy who's getting his ass kicked by your crappy offensive line, who, by the way, averaged five yards a carry, and who, by the way, uh, you know, is is still by many viewed as one of the goats. And by the way, is one of the goats. I I think I ranked him fifth all time. I will will say this, and I, I this be my parting shot on it. I went and did my due diligence. And I said, I'm not going to just rely on what I, I know. And I decided to reach out to two friends of mine who are Hall of Fame defensive players who played against both guys. And I asked them point blank, where does it rank? And they said, if you just want to talk about stats, longevity, of course, it's Emmett. But if you want to talk about the guy that we were worried about the most, out of the two, it was Barry, and it, 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 it wasn't even close in their mind as far as a comparison between the two I by two guys like who had to play those, against him consistently who, who have yellow jackets. I feel like one of those two guys may never have played against Emmett from 90, 90 through 95 at his absolute zenith. I'm, I don't think that guy was in the league yet. Um, uh, we'll see. I I, I don't. I, don't remember I can't remember when he came into the league. He, he gave me he gave me examples of uh, of the times that he did play. He went through specific games that they did play. Okay, I'm just saying one guy in particular. Let me see when he came into the league. I'm, I'm going to look 95. Yeah. So I'm, and I don't believe that team he played on his original team. I don't believe in the 95 season they played the Cowboys. So in the, the th- Emmett's peak was 91 through 95. Um, but to Barry Sanders' credit, he was a better running back, I think, 
longer than Emmett was. Post 95 until Barry retired, those last few seasons, he was better than Emmett Smith. I will say this about Emmett. This will be my final statement. I swear to you God. Got, you had a ton my, of statements. I never said I had a final statement. I mean, just okay. Final statement. I think Emmett was the tougher running back. I mean, God, he was nothing but black and blue bruises. I think he was a better blocker. I think he was a better short yardage guy. I think he was the better receiver. I think he ends up being the bigger winner. And I think he played better in big games. That's my argument for Emmett. If you're making an argument for Barry, he's got his own list of why you would say he's the better player. And it's certainly an argument that one can have. By the way, in 95, Emmett ran for 1,700 yards, followed by 1,200, 1,000, 13, 13, 12, 10. So I would say he still got to see him in, in, uh, in, in, in the prime. Yeah, but look at the yards for carry at post-95. Read it out real quick. Let's go. Let's go. Where we go in yards? 4.7, and then 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 towards the end. I mean, we don't, we could just ignore the Arizona years, right? I mean, yeah, I'm not different. talking about those. I'm yeah. saying after '95, Emmett's Emmett was never quite. I'm 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 agreeing with you. Post '95, Barry Sanders was a better player. Than Emmett Smith. Paxton, I don't know if I look like Tiki Barber now. Like that, that that's a I mean, outside of the ball head, Paxton, I'm not quite sure. You Tiki's don't got look a way like Tiki bigger, Barber. No, Tiki's got a way bigger forehead than I do. I do have a big yes. forehead, though, I ain't gonna lie. But this this, I, this dome is is I actually th think your head's kind of small. Not small like Beetlejuice small, where like they shrink <laughs> in the movies, but like I've got a big head. Yeah. And I think, you know, you just don't have a meaty head. No. Barber kind of has a meaty forehead. He does. He does. That That's a head that's been taking a football hitting <laughs> from a young age. You know, you just say like in a, in like a MMA, like you keep hitting stuff and then yes. your knuckles and everything regenerates and become bigger and all that kind of stuff. And the boxing is the same. I think that's the same for the dome. Yeah. I think you're putting okay, your head in the Hall of Fame, though. But Tiki, yeah, we're in agreement on that, if nothing else. All right, guys, it's been a lot of fun today. Again, we almost went an hour and a half. We don't do that unless we're having a good time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Go to RogueShop.com for your CBD and THC needs and use that promo code ORANGEBLOODS and you get that nice little 10% discount. Um, hit that like button. It helps us out. Subscribing to the channel helps us out. If you haven't already done so, please do that for us. Even Texas Tech fans, we'll be there for you. We'll be there <laughs> in the moment of truth. When you need to hear the truth, you you won't get anything held back when you watch this nope. show. For myself, especially, especially not only weekly, but especially post game. Post game, <laughs> you want to talk about some unfiltered, like go back and watch the Texas Tech Texas post game show from a year yeah. ago. <laughs> We don't not mince words. And I get yeah, I'm, I'm, the older I get, I'm getting really agitated by covering losing things. I feel like I, with tech, when I started throwing stuff, I forget one of them. I just started throwing things afterwards. And that may have been tech. I don't remember. By the way, if you just said Barry was a nicer person than Emmett, I might have caved in and just said, You're right. <laughs> You're right. 
You're right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you don't have any bad Barry Sanders ditched me stories. Never but heard we have one. a whole lot of Emmett is an a-hole stories. We, that, we have that. The things you're able to get away with when you win Super Bowls. It's almost not fair. Uh, for myself and Anwar Richardson and Emmett, if you're watching, it's not too late. I still have that pennant. If you want to add your signature to it, I'll have the 1991 Dallas Cowboys team fully complete as it is. There's one name missing, and it wasn't because I didn't try. Until next time, guys, you have a wonderful rest of your Monday. We'll see you tomorrow for the Modcast, same time, same channel. You guys be good to each other. Later.